I found a bunch of people who were sharing, like, audio files and stuff like that on, like, Tumblr, and I was like, oh, okay, why don't I check it out? It seems like something a lot of my mutuals are into. And the first song I actually heard was Babushka, and I was, like, at first I was just so shook. It was unlike anything I've really ever heard before. And then I just kept coming back to it because it was just so unique, and it just kind of, it grew from there. So Babushka is one of those songs for me that are just, like, powerful. Well... The thing about Babushka that makes it so interesting, and it's not necessarily specifically unique to the song. It's something that she does here and there um, across all of her albums, her entire catalog. But with Babushka, I find it particularly well-developed. It's, it's uh, an entire narrative in three minutes and 20 seconds. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. It's got this great piano beat laid down as the foundation of the whole thing. And- which I really love. I'm not really that much of a music critic. I don't know how to tell you what chord she's playing here or what chord she's playing mm-hmm. there or how she's going wild with the composition or anything like that. But I know what I like and I know I like this. <laughs> How I came to write it, yes, it was really a theme that's fascinated me for some time. Um, It's really based on a theme that's used a lot in folk songs, uh, which is where the wife of the husband begins to feel that perhaps he's not faithful. And there's no real strength in her feelings, it's just more or less paranoia, suspicions. Um, and so she starts thinking that she's going to test him to see if he's faithful. So what she does is she gets herself a pseudonym, which happens to be Babushka, and she sends him a letter. And he responds very well to the letter because as he reads it, he recognises the wife that he had a couple of years ago who was happy in the letter, and so he likes it. And she decides to take him even further and get a meeting together to see how he reacts to this babushka lady instead of her. And when he meets her, again, because she's so similar to his wife, the one that he loves, he's very attracted to her. And, uh, of course, she's very annoyed, and the break in the song is really her just throwing the restaurant at him. So there's, like, cutlery, Because he actually is unfaithful. Going straight across the room. No, he's not. He's not. He loves her very much. And the whole idea of the song is really the futility and the stupidness of humans and how by our own thinking and swilling around in our own ideas we come up with completely paranoid facts. So in her situation she was in fact suspicious 
of a man who was doing nothing wrong. He loved it very much indeed. And through her own sort of suspicions and uh, evil thoughts, she's really ruined the relationship. Babushka's a, a Russian word, though, isn't it? Yes, it is. In context of the song, though, um, I just popped the name in because it felt right. And I presumed that I picked the name up from a fairy story or something when I was a kid. But in fact, it is a Russian word for grandmother. Oh. Uh, something I didn't realize at the time. It just felt like a really good name for the lady. Welcome to the first song episode of the third season of Strange Phenomena. I'm so excited to be talking about this album with you guys, and especially talking with all these different fans, speaking of different fans. So for this first song episode, which is going to be all about the album opener, Babushka, we are going to get to hear from three different fans. Count them. Three different fans. I haven't had this happen since the In Search of Peter Pan episode last season. We're going to get to hear from Elizabeth Ann, who is a longtime Kate fan from Western Pennsylvania. Then there's Vanessa Ramos from Toronto and Freezing Inferno from Newfoundland. When I put out a call on Facebook asking for people to talk about songs from Never Forever, within an hour, I heard from each of these three folks and I said, okay, we're going to do an episode with all three of you guys. Let's do it. And I think you'll be really excited with what we got to talk about. We dug into the history of the song. We looked at the lyrics and the complex but seemingly simple story (laughs) that Kate is telling. We talked about, of course, the video, because how can you talk about Babushka and not talk about the video? But first, we're going to get to hear how each of these people came to Kate's music, starting with Elizabeth Ann. You're you're another American fan, I can tell. Mm-hmm. You, you've you been talking, we were said you were from uh, Western Pennsylvania. Yes. So how long have you been a Kate fan? Oh, man, it, it goes back quite a ways. All I can say is my dad raised me right. Um, I think the <laughs> first time I, I got turned on to Hounds of Love, I think, when I was like nine years old. So we're talking like... 15 years, you know, it, it's been a, a good long haul, and then a few years later, I saw the single file, the, the collection of videos, and that was it. I was in love. I just, you know, so I've got a good 20-year um, love affair with Kate. Now, did you, um, did you, uh, you said you, you listened to Kate's music kind of early on? Yeah. You are saying from your dad? Yeah, he, he played everything. I mean, I've, I've, I've learned a lot from him, but my early, my earliest memories of Kate are, from when I was about nine, so that would have been in the 90s. I say 93 would have been about the time I got turned on for, right around the time the Red Shoes was coming out, as a matter of fact. But ah. my um, my introduction was Hounds of Love. My dad turned me on to um, the the con the the concept album, you know, and we were listening mm-hmm. to things sort of like that. in the second, the ninth wave was just mind-boggling. Now, how did your dad hear about her? Like, did he? Was he just into more like indie scene, and that's why he would have heard of her here, or did he did he spend some time in in Europe? Because I know she's bigger over she's huge you know, over there in here. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, he, my dad, he's always been a serious rock aficionado. I mean, oh, this okay. man is a walking rock encyclopedia. You can ask him anything about any band, and he probably knows the answer. And in the seventies and eighties, he lived in New York, and he had some brief stints in radio. And I know that he he got you know he turned he turned on her. Um, Kind of through that, and the British invasion was such a major, major thing for my dad. I mean, his the Beatles run in his actual blood, and you know, mm-hmm. so he uh, he listened to just whatever he could get out of out of Europe and England, and especially England. And um, I mean, he 
the the British progressive rock scene is a very comfortable place for him. So bands like Illusion, Renaissance, um, all very familiar in in our household growing up. Awesome. So it's no wonder. Yeah, I guess I should just really feel lucky. <laughs> yeah. So it's no wonder he would have heard of Kate Bush then, because she's kind of she's kind of like verged on the prog sort of thing. Yeah sort of towed that line so you know with his intense love for for renaissance and and genesis and you know peter gabriel how can you not come <laughs> <Of across course. laughs> and now we'll get to hear from vanessa ramos a fan from toronto who i got to talk with about babushka she and i met on twitter and well the internet is kind of how she heard about kate bush hi i'm vanessa and i'm just really happy to be here today thank you <laughs> I know. It's always great to talk with another Kate fan. Oh, my god! Oh, yeah. It's wonderful. It really is. And another Canadian, too. I've talked with a lot of Canadian Kate fans, actually. Yeah, I think there's there's definitely a lot of us. So how did you come across Kate's music? How did you become a fan? I'm always interested to find out okay. how people hear of her. Because it sounds like you're a young fan like me. I am. I am. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm 17 years old. Um, I came across Kate Bush when I was... I was on Tumblr around, like, beginning of ninth grade, and I stumbled upon a lot of people who were really excited for the Before the Dawn tour, um, and I found a bunch of people who were sharing, like, audio files and stuff like that on, like, Tumblr, and I was like, oh, okay, why don't I check it out? It seems like something a lot of my mutuals are into. And the first song I actually heard was Babushka, and I was like, I, at first I was just so shook. It was unlike anything I've really ever heard before. And then I just kept coming back to it because it was just so unique. And it just kind of, it grew from there. So Boosh is one of those songs for me that are just like, it's like, it's really just powerful. And now here is what Freezing Inferno, my other Canadian fan I got to talk to, how he discovered Kate's music as well. Hi, I'm a Freezing Inferno on the internet, but you may know me as a bunch of other names, but for now you can call me Jerry. I suppose works. <laughs> and I understand you're from Newfoundland, is that correct? Yes, that's right. Yay! So you're an hour and a half ahead of me here on the East Coast. <laughs> yes. All of your podcast listeners are wondering how the hell can that be? And the answer is that this is a very strange place. So, how did you become a Kate Bush fan? I got linked a bunch of songs by a pal of mine whose music tastes I respect, and she basically sent me uh, The Dreaming, and I put that on, and what in the world was I even hearing? So just imagine having no experience with Kate Bush, and all of a sudden you're just sitting here listening to Set in Your Lap, and uh, what in the world? <laughs> so that's something. And, uh, well, I went through all the other albums, and... Uh, we're going to talk about the song that really stuck with me today. So, how did you, uh, how did you come across Babushka, and how, uh, what makes it one of your favorite Kate songs? Well, uh, I picked it up along with Never Forever, just uh, going through, and it really struck me. <laughs> what What I really love about it, it, in context with all the other albums, is how. Uh, how it's sort of an in-between. A lot of Kate Bush fans, if you ask them, what's your favorite album, they'll, they'll go with Hounds of Love, which, well, you really can't fault them for that. There's, I'm not going to shame that or anything. But what my favorite is the first one I heard, The Dreaming, which is just totally out there and oh, wild yeah. in that same vein. 
And then you have her early career with uh, Kick Inside and Lionheart. And Never Forever is just this liminal space right between the two. Like, it's not quite Gonzo Kate and it's not quite early Kate. It's just right there in the middle, this transitional period. And it's really special to me for that reason, just because it's got a foot in both worlds, as it were. Mm-hmm. So I really love the album for that. And Babushka is one hell of an opener. Oh, yeah, seriously. (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. It's got this great piano beat laid down as the foundation of the whole thing, which I really love. I'm not really that much of a music critic. I don't know how to tell you what chord she's playing here or what chord she's playing Mm -hmm. there or how she's going wild with the composition or anything like that. But I know what I like, and I know I like this. So as Kate fans know, Babushka is not just an album opener, but it was a single as well. It was the second single released from Never Forever, and it did well everywhere it was released, especially in Europe and Australia. With Vanessa, we got to talk about not just how well this song did commercially, but also who played on the song and a really cool instrument used in this song. Check it out. Babushka, I know for me, uh, mm-hmm. stood out when I first listened to it. I, I first heard it on The Whole Story, actually. That was kind of my Ooh. my first exposure to other things from Kate. And yeah, this is, oh, so catchy. It is no wonder it was a huge hit. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is really catchy. And it was a hit in a lot of places in Europe. I was I was looking this up. I got some stats. Um, cool, me too. It, oh, all Let's right. Compare okay. our stats here. <laughs> I have my stats up right now. I managed to find a 2008 edition of InfoDisc's best-selling singles of all time, but it was the 465th best-selling single of all time, selling over 547,000 copies. So, wow. give it up for Kate. Indeed. Yeah, it went to number five in the UK, where it spent 10 weeks on the charts, Um, went to number two in Australia. You were were mentioning, like, the Mm -hmm. uh, whatever number for um, best-selling single of all time. In Mm -hmm. Australia, it was the 20th best-selling single of the year, which is I had that exactly on my paper, but yeah, that's really great. (laughs) (laughs) It went to number 24 in the Netherlands, number four in France, number 14 in Germany, number five in Israel, Italy, and Ireland, number eight in New Zealand, number four in Norway, and even number 12 in South Africa. So there you go. But did not chart yeah. in the U.S. because we're not. Or cool, Canada. <laughs> or Canada, yeah. too. Like, what? I know. But the album charted in Canada, so it's okay. Yeah, it, it yeah. did, too, here for for the U.S., but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it, it did extremely well. And, of course, uh, the, the B-side. Are you familiar with the B-side from the Yeah, Biscay? it's really kind of kooky. I love it. I know, and it's it's funny that she chose. I think uh, Rantan Waltz is the B side mm-hmm. because it's another one of those songs that's told from the point of view of a dude talking mm-hmm. about a relationship, and it's sympathetic toward the guy, which I think is really cool. Yeah, it's really interesting. And yeah, the uh, the uh, the the broken glass is the uh, Fairlight. So they yeah. they did the sampling of that, and that leads into mm-hmm. Delius. 
wonderful yeah. use of the Fairlight. It's just, oh, oh yeah. I, I love how it sounds. <sighs> I know. I was, I actually was, while well, I was doing some research for this, I looked up like on song facts and I think it was, and it was like, mm-hmm. they tried various times to break the glass in the correct way for, to get the noises. And I'm like, no, they didn't, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> Yeah, I'd heard a similar thing too. Like they they mm-hmm. went into the canteen there at the studio and just started breaking stuff because they realized, oh wait, if we record this, we could turn it into a musical instrument. So cool! <laughs> no, they just got that Fairlight going for yeah. them, and they're like, yeah, let's just uh, let's just sample a few things. I know it, it's funny to think of Fairlight stuff because um, when I when I do my own music stuff, sometimes I'll sample mm-hmm. different sounds and turn them into musical instruments, and it's really easy to do now. But back then you had the Fairlight, this this oh, kind yeah. of primitive, huge, honking thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's so that, funny to me. That one I mean, photo of Kate where she's just by the Fairlight is oh, just really great. Yeah. I, really I think like, I've used actually, that a few times for, like, just shitposting. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually used, I actually still have that kind of picture. On, I'm looking at my phone now. It's uh, the wallpaper on my phone. That's Kate's wonderful. Just, like, Playing on the Fairlight. Oh, hi with my toy oh hi hello <laughs> yeah you got the Fairlight. her her brother mm. played uh he did the backing vocals and he played a really cool instrument he played the balalaika that's a really interesting instrument yeah it's like a, it's a triangular russian mm-hmm. guitar and i would love to actually learn how to play it but you can never find it yeah. like around here because it just like looks really cool. It look it's one of those instruments that looks and like kind of sounds really interesting, and it's like it's just you can't find it anywhere because it's so obscure. Or the cover of the single, uh, she's lying on the floor with her right hand stretched out toward a piece of paper with babushka written on it, her left mm-hmm. hand holding a stake going through a piece of paper next to her, where it looks like you know she's kind of. Uh, I guess acting out a little bit of the the theme of the song. Yeah. Just, you know, it's Kate being Kate. (laughs) Yeah. Now we get to talk about the story and the theme of the song. We got to talk about that a lot with Elizabeth Ann. She has some great insights into the theme of the song. And also she gets to talk a little bit about why this is such an important song for her. Well, the thing about Babushka that makes it so interesting, and it's not necessarily specifically unique to the song. It's something that she does here and there um, across all of her albums, her entire catalog. But with Babushka, I find it particularly well-developed. It's, it's uh, an entire narrative in 3 minutes and 20 seconds. And it's not just a narrative. It's got some very strong literary techniques. I mean, she's got plot. She's got very deeply developed, complex characters. And she uses situational irony in such a masterful way. You know, it's, it's like a classic story. And she does it in a 3 minute and 20 second song. And that just floors me every single time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, it's it's really it's really incredible in that way, and um, particularly on the situational irony piece. You know, that the literary definition is when the audience knows something that the characters don't, and we know things that both characters don't. You know, we know, for example, that you know the the wife is testing her husband in this way by by creating this third character and trying to trick him into infidelity, and we know from the husband's point of view that he misses his wife and and 
falls for this babushka character because he reminds her of his wife. Uh, he, you know, she reminds him of his wife, and it's all he wants is to connect with her. So we, we know things about them that they don't know about each other, and it just creates this level of engagement that is, is unique and, and really arresting. Mm-hmm. And very interesting for for something that was marketed to be a mainstream pop song you know definitely it's something that and it's interesting because the characters are relatable the theme is so universal i mean anybody in the world who has experienced a long-term relationship and seen how complicated things can get can relate to these characters and neither of them handle it particularly well and they're not (laughs) you can relate to them but they're not very sympathetic you know and it's Mm -hmm difficult to connect with them but yet so easy to relate and that's such a complex uh scenario like you said for for like a pop song you know it's it's Mm -hmm. so complicated and yet so easy to just connect to indeed and what's what i find it's especially intriguing about the song kind of like like you were saying i agree with the unsympathetic characters like these are not necessarily people who are perfect um but also i find it interesting that she seems to side a little bit with the husband in that um, the wife was trying to orchestrate this whole big dog and pony show. Mm -hmm. And she, she willingly went into this and she screwed it up. It's her fault. Right. And it's easier if you're going to sympathize, sympathize with anybody, it's easier to sympathize with a husband um, because, you know, Kate presents his, yearning for for a connection with the woman he fell in love with um Mm -hmm. but at the same time you know he he does willingly engage in infidelity rather than i don't know talk to his wife and kate you know she i think she relies on her listeners to to recognize that as well because she doesn't she doesn't hide it you know she doesn't sugarcoat his actions either um she does however i agree tend to to make it a little easier to sympathize with him if you're going to sympathize with anybody yeah. And what's interesting is that the the B-side for this single was Rantan Waltz, mm-hmm. which is another one of those like fracture relationship sort of songs, but it's sympathizing with the guy, just like this song is. I wonder if she did that on purpose like because these are like sympathizing with the guy songs. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, one thing we know about Kate is that she she loves a strong fugue, you know, a strong theme. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. she's very good at, at piecing these sorts of things together in, in sometimes very subtle ways and sometimes not so subtle. Now we'll get to hear from Vanessa talking about the theme of the song and what it means to her. theme of the song to me is just really interesting. It's one of those Kate songs that it's like, it's just the theme is so unique. And you, it's like you won't see something like that ever again in pop music, I don't think. She was just so unafraid to just try being different people through her music. It was, it's like, it's got this kind of fearless um, attribute to her music because she's just so, like, you can just listen to a Kate song and you can just think, oh my God, that is so, like, that's so out there. And then you can listen to another one and you're like, that's so out there, but in a completely different way. No, the the theme of this song is, I mean, she, it's very catchy, but then when you really get into what it's about, like... So what do you have for what it's about? I mean, okay. it's, it's, it's got a pretty obvious meaning, but, yeah. you know, what, what do you guys say about okay. what it's about? So my take is that this is the original catfishing. This, okay, she, write, she writes about a woman 
who is so afraid that her husband is having an affair with other women or a younger woman than her that she poses as a younger woman and sends her husband letters pretending to be this younger woman in order to see if he will sort of initiate the affair. The affair. When she meets with him, it's just she can, you can sort of sense the tension in the music itself. Just it kind of like gets your heart pumping because you're kind of like you're afraid that she's going to get caught. And also you're afraid for Babushka because she kind of knows that her husband's kind of sort of cheating on her now. And then at the very end, it all just it it all just falls apart. Yeah. He realizes that it's her. (laughs) I know. Oh, my God. And it's and really it, cool that there's the breaking glass at the end. Yeah, I was like just about symbolism. to say that. Yeah. The symbolism like it's, that it's all come crashing down. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Just wow. This, this relationship that, that they'd had for, for years and years just falls apart because she decided to to test her husband's fidelity. And yep. she and screwed he, it up. She failed. Now, here's what Freezing Inferno had to say about how he interprets that famous broken glass sound. Oh, another thing I remembered, the, uh, the, we're talking about the story of the song, the whole shattering glass thing. I, I don't know where I read this from or whatnot, but that's supposed to be the wife in a fit of rage, smashing shit everywhere where oh. they're meeting. <laughs> so it's just the angriest room trashing ever set to synth glass shattering sounds run through an 80s computer and i love it elizabeth ann had some further thoughts about the theme of the song there if there's an element of sympathy for the wife it's it's that she just you know you ask yourself as you listen to this song you know he he feels that she's cold she clearly feels that he's distant because she's reaching out and putting on this incredible you know pageant to catch his attention you know, and to what to what extent is his distance the reason for her coldness? And to what extent is her coldness the reason for his distance? And you know, you sympathize with with them both on a human level, just thinking like, you know, this this thing this sort of thing happens, and it's it's sad, and it's so easy to see from the outside, but they're in it, and they can't see the forest for the trees. And it's on that level, they're they're the same. You know, they're suffering the same way. And the. Yeah, like the whole thing. She's telling a really cool story. I mean, she she's good with telling, telling stories, and it's it's not just that she. I think that she's she's telling a really she's telling a story, which is kind of, which is unusual for a pop song, but also that she's clearly inspired more than ever. I think by uh, by just folk music. Yeah. Like the fact that she's got these twists and turns and these characters you don't exactly that who aren't exactly sympathetic. Like you don't really find that outside of folk music, you know? Excuse me. Yeah, that's absolutely true. You know, Kate, for all of the um, exciting production and all of the different sorts of things that she she tries. <coughs> excuse me. From what okay. <laughs> just had a swallowed a bit of air the wrong way, but <laughs> I know. From one album to another, you know, she she takes these great leaps, and you know, she her she just develops as an artist every step of the way, and you know, you wind up with this this concept album like Hounds of Love or Ariel. Throughout all of that, there's always that that thread of um, human folk music. You know, you can always always find it, no matter what no matter what she's doing, and you know the, that strong characterization. Um, 
is just always, always a piece of what she's doing. And one of her big themes, and I think that especially comes up in this song, is communication between men and women. Oh, yeah. Like, you, you kind of think that, okay, maybe if these people had a better relationship with each other, if they knew each other better, if they could just talk to each other, then that would solve everything. But then again, that would be like every other romantic comedy could be solved yes. in five minutes <laughs> if they would just sit down and tell each other what they want. Exactly. The Hallmark <laughs> Channel would go right out of business. Oh, seriously. <laughs> Bridget Jones never would have had a problem. It just would have been. Yeah, it's it's such a human issue. And, you know, life imitates art. Art imitates life. And the fact is, this this really happens to real people all the mm -hmm. time, you know? I, oh, it, yeah. It's funny that this is coming up now because, you know, I, I've been married for six years, which doesn't seem like that long, but things can get crazy in six years. And, you know, <laughs> you work in and, you know, children and all of these things. And at the end of the day, sometimes my husband and I are tearing our hair out going like, why can't you just listen to me? And why can't we just talk? And it's, you know, it, it's hard to judge characters in a song like Babushka because this is life. It's just, mm -hmm. it's so common to everyday life. Well, and I've been married for eight, I've been married for, actually, we're almost on eight years, my husband and I, so. <laughs> so you can relate, I imagine. <laughs> a little bit, yes, I can. But also, like, it's a little different, because with my husband and I, we, we're very close with each other. And I can actually see, like, and you know, you mentioned it, it's funny, you coming up now for you, that I can see in some of my other friends who are married, that sometimes it feels like if they could just talk to each other, and maybe that would help things out. But and, and Andrew and I will will we'll kind of like look at each other like you know why don't you just tell him or her what you really want? Yeah. <laughs> and but most of my but most of our friends and their their married relationships like they don't do that. They're not close with each other like my husband and I are. Yeah, and it's it's funny too because my husband and I started out as, as such good friends and became so close and you know our relationship developed and we decided to get married and it was the best decision of our lives and it was it's it's been wonderful but sometimes even in such a close relationship somehow you just lose touch you just lose touch with each other and it can be so hard to find that again and you know it's such it's so complex and communication can be so what's the right word, intense and mm -hmm. riddled with obstacles and pitfalls and, you know, but at the heart of it, it's it's like just talk, just it's okay to feel safe. It's okay to trust each other. That's what you're doing here, isn't it? And, you know, but somehow, you know, you just, you find yourself just in the weeds, just in the weeds. And I feel like with these characters, it's, that's, they've, they're so deep in the weeds that they're, there's just seemingly for them no way out. But, but really, there is, you know, just, just talk. I think another thing that really makes this unique is that the characters are very flawed. Yeah, both of them. Is the woman is paranoid mm -hmm. and thinks that her husband doesn't love her anymore, and the husband just is kind of like doesn't really seem to notice her much anymore and seems to be easily duped. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's like these people are not perfect and i like that about the song i like that these are not yeah. perfect people and, and in a lot of uh like your your top charting songs if if there's any kind of song it's like you did me wrong you did this you did that 
Yeah. It's never, there's no sense of self-awareness that, oh, wait a minute, I could have done things differently or I should have done a blah, 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 you know? Yeah. And it's like, certainly, like, you can see definitely, like, both the characters sort of have these regrets. Babushka, certainly, that she sort of did this to her husband. And then, of course, the husband for, you know, doing this to Babushka. <laughs> it's just such an interesting thing. I can't really talk about it because it's like... He feels bad for doing this, but also he did it. And it's like, okay, that, what I just said made no real sense. But <laughs> he only sort of feels bad because it was Babushka that kind of was the other woman, if that makes sense. So we were kind of like digging in the lyrics with the uh, like the, the characters and everything. Like, what are some of your favorite lyrics in this song? Because I, I can tell you, like, for me, honestly, it's most it's pretty much everything she put out. <laughs> Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's no no two ways about it. Kate can literally do no wrong. Um, But, you know, I was just listening to it before before we talked. And Mm -hmm. what really stands out is when she says it's uncanny how she reminds him of his little lady, the capacity to give him all he needs, just like his wife before she frees. It's so powerful because what he's literally thinking is that this woman, this babushka character, has the capacity to give me everything, just like my wife. And it's like, you know it. You know. You know where to look to get everything you need. You know where to go to ask for it, but you you feel like you can't. And when he laid eyes on he got the feeling they had met before. Uncanny how she reminds him of his little lady. Capacity to give him all he yeah there's just like some sort of mental barrier you're just like nope nope i I can't i can't go over there nope Um, exactly i'm looking for it i want it i know you've got it and this person seems to have it too so i guess i'll check over here Mm -hmm. you know it's just it's so it's so powerful and i think that is exactly the line that makes it so easy to Mm -hmm. sympathize with him because in his mind he blames her. She froze. She froze on me. You know, and it, to what extent is the fact that his wife knows that he's, you know, distant and willing to look elsewhere, you know, to what to what extent is the impetus for her sort of getting chilly? And I'm sure that there's just a lot of uh, blame on both sides, which is where communication and human relationships so often go sideways. Yeah, because one person is interpreting it one way, one person is interpreting it a different way, and yeah. you just, you, you can't, like, we keep going back to communication. You got to yep. talk, man, you got to talk. You do, you just got to talk, and and without fear, you know, people are historically terrified of admitting what's really in their heart, and I think that at mm-hmm. the heart of it, that's what went wrong between these two and this song, and what goes wrong in so many relationships that fail or struggle. It's It's good for Kate to bring this out into the open, I think. Because she, from the beginning, has been about expressing thoughts that people are afraid to talk about. Yes, I think that's a huge piece of it. Um, mm-hmm. Nobody likes to look at these parts of, of human life because, let's face it, they're unpleasant. They're scary. And everyone likes mm-hmm. to think that they're above it. And it can't happen to me. And, you know, K- Kate is not afraid of a taboo. And that's, you know, that every single album from the very first one, she's not afraid of a taboo. And it's one of the things I love most about her because it's raw and honest and, you know, there's no hiding from the darker aspects of some of the best parts of life when when you're dealing with Kate Bush. 
And that the fact that she does it all in a story form too, which is really, which is unusual. And you don't yeah. get a whole lot of like most most people when you think of a singer songwriter, somebody who writes and sings their own music, they think, oh, the I in the song is you, the person standing up there singing. But that's not necessarily so with Kate Bush. Right. And I think what's interesting about this song is in this particular case, she went with a third person omniscient. Right. So she pulls back mm-hmm. and she's ob- observing these characters with, with us. You know, we're all observing these characters from a bit of a distance, which is how <laughs> people like to view these situations as mm. separate. This, this isn't me. This is happening to them. And it's easy to be over here and watch and judge from a distance. But the thing about this particular song is Kate teaches a lesson, but she does it without being preachy. She does it without being judgmental because, again, while these people are not necessarily sympathetic, they are so relatable and these problems are so common. And, you know, there is no I in the story, but, but there is. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. The only I in the song, I'm looking at the lyrics, is at the very end. He's shouted out, "I'm all yours, babushka, babushka, yeah, yeah." And it's probably the most personal point in the entire song too, when he he just throws himself into this, and you know, consequences be damned. He's just he's all in, and that's the only time that it really becomes so personal. And and that's when the whole thing shatters. You know, when when you hear that breaking glass. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's as as soon as it becomes personal, as soon as he gives over and gives in, and and the whole thing comes to a head, and just you know, you just you hear that shattering glass. It's the breaking of tension. It's you know dishes smashing on the kitchen floor. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's just so so symbolic. And now, how can we talk about the song Babushka and not talk about the famous video? But of course! So here's where we're going to get to talk about all the different parts of the video. A little bit of the history of that famous Babushka costume that she goes into in the chorus. And also just some interesting insights from all three guests about what this video means to them. But first, we're going to get to hear from Kate herself talking about how she did the video. You do your own choreography. Did you do the choreography on the video clip of Babushka? Yes, yes I did. That's another thing that I enjoy and I think probably why I can do it is because I actually write and create the songs. Did you do the costumes as well? Well, no, I didn't actually make them. I've got a fantastic costume lady called Pammy who um, comes around and we discuss what the character is going to be like. Because, uh, again, this is the thing, once the song has been written, whoever is singing that song isn't necessarily me anymore. It becomes the character. And in the video, it's very much two people. It's the wife, and it's the wife really zapped up to be Babushka. And so we had to get the contrast that's very important and in the video what I was trying to do was make the wife very bare very black very sinister and geometric and using the double bass symbolically as the husband so she's sort of manipulating him and pushing him away and being very cold and in the choruses she's just babushka just completely free and wild and mad and so it was really trying to get the contrast between the two characters and using the double bass as the sim- 
symbolic um, gesture of the husband. Yeah. I mean, I love the video for it too, just because uh, there's a lot of performative alter ego stuff going on there. You've got her with the veil, and then you've got her with the sword, mm-hmm. just fully freed, just letting herself loose. And that, that really resonates with me on a personal level as well. I just really like that idea that you can just have this reserved side of you and then in a moment of passion you can just poof, lift up the veil and really be yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. My absolute favorite part of that whole thing is uh, the moment in the video where she's she's got the veil on. She, she, she's the, she's spinning with the bass around and she spins the bass around they've got some blue screen on the bass and the other cake is inside the bass and she just gives the sword a little smooch <laughs> it's it's beautiful it's just lovely and perfect and it's just a, be- a perfect representation of what I'm going for here the secret uh, sword wielding fiery passion babushka inside us all mm-hmm. is waiting to be free really great actually yeah I mean it doesn't sound to it as well I mean I know the story that <laughs> I I've wa- I did watch that one documentary where it's basically like uh, Peter Gabriel showed her how to use a synthesizer and she went wild with crashy glass noises mm-hmm. which I adore because well the 80s you gotta love that sound <laughs> And it's 1980. It's just so again. It's that liminal space. It's not quite the 70s. It's not quite the 80s. You're just right on the cusp of it. Mm-hmm. One foot in both worlds. Oh yeah. One foot in both worlds. One foot in both roles between the veiled wife and the babushka. So it's like a dichotomy sort of thing going on, and I really like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that video. I. The, when she goes into the into the alter ego babushka, she looks so. She reminds me of somebody from an RPG or something like that. She's like, "I'm yeah. warrior woman. I'm coming out here, and I'm I'm the fighter." Like, I don't know. Uh, I'm a level I, I got five strength. So I'm gonna use a power attack. Yeah, there you go. I'm a level five warrior, and yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I'm also a D&D the music nerd, nerd chi- the music nerd chimed in, and now the D and D nerd that's me chiming in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, I, and actually, I'm a D, bit of a D and D nerd too. Um, there's a, mm. I have a group that I play with around here, and it's a lot of fun. Love, love. I really, I've really gotten into playing D and D. Oh, oh yeah, I, I'm, I'm a Pathfinder person myself, but I really, uh, okay. I can't wait to get back into it. The video. What do you think of the video for the song? Oh my god, it is so simplistic, but it just goes so well with everything. It's literally just Kate and a double bass and it for most of it. Mm-hmm. And then she's in this black veil and she's really sort of I don't know if that was before or after someone told her, "Oh, babushka means like it's like Russian for grandmother." Because that's Sort of with the black veil and the all black, that's kind of how my grandmother dresses, except obviously <laughs> not as, you know, Kate-like, more old lady-like. But with the veil and all that, it just really grandmother imagery. Mm-hmm. And then 
the chorus comes in and it is just wow you are just shocked mm-hmm. by like just what you see and it's just oh my god wow like it's it's a stunning outfit i love yeah, it it is she- so it's it's kate like well, it's okay. It's theatrical. She's like, okay, I'm going to dress as this like wildly sexy character. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I actually have some interesting. I didn't even know about this till I started digging into this uh, into this song in the video that uh, the basis for the costume that she wears as Babushka was inspired by an illustration from a British artist who was, uh, his name was Chris Achilleos, I think is how you pronounce it, Chris Achilleos. And he did mm-hmm. a large number of illustrations for uh, books and magazines in the fantasy and sword oh. and source, sorcery genres. And, uh, quote, instantly recognizable for his exquisitely rendered female figures, invariably beautiful, mm. frequently belligerent. He became widely known amongst fans through several best-selling art collections that remain popular to the present day. His obvious delight in painting muscular female warriors who stared defiantly from the covers of countless publications contrasted at the time with the willowy, weak-limbed princesses favored by many of his contemporaries. Aside from the stunning and much-loved Elven Warrior, a 1983 wraparound jacket for Michael Moorcock's seminal high fantasy work, Elric at the End of Time, his most famous artistic production is Raven, Sword Mistress of Chaos, drawn for the cover of a 1979 book of the same name by Richard Kirk. However, in this particular case, the fame came incidentally through the Irish-British musician Kate Bush, who, along with the designer Pamela Keat, chose the illustration as a source of inspiration for the costumes she wore in the music video of her 1980 hit, Babushka. I did not know that before I was... Wow, but like I've, I really felt that it was sort of like a Joan of Arc sort of um, mm-hmm. inspiration that sort of drew that costume. Because it's very, like, warrior-esque. And I just, I really like it. But It is. It's like, yeah. I'm big, tough lady. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, when I was digging into this song, and, and yeah, if, if you Google, if you Google image Raven, Swordmistress of Chaos, you can see, like, oh, yeah, that's where they got it from. And then, of course, mm. there's pictures of her in there, too. <laughs> yeah. Kate's Unpacked. Indeed. Now that the the, the the ill actual illustration though, she's topless, but and obviously Kate was not topless. Yeah. There, but obviously. But I can I can totally see where they got the the outfit from. That is really hmm. cool. Yeah. It's really I don't know, it's just so shiny and shimmery and just so contrast to sort of the babushka figure that you see just in black. And especially in their movements, it's just, it's like apples and oranges. You see the babushka as, well, the, <laughs> I don't really know how to differentiate them. Um, I'm going to call the one in black as babushka and then the one in gold is Kate because she just, mm-hmm. Kate is just really theatrical in my mind. So oh, that's yeah, just, of course. Yes. So the babushka character is obviously like, you can see her moving very reserved and sort of like in tune with the double bass. Mm-hmm. And then you see her as sort of Kate, as just she is just giant motions, very theatrical, versus the little babushka's sort of tiny little movements with the little double bass. Mm. I say is it's a giant thing, and I, it's just something that I, it's just 
Kate's movements to me are always just so choreographed and just well planned. Mm-hmm. Especially since she was trained in, you know, mime. Um, it's just it's something that comes through in her videos. Is she very well? She can very well portray a character through oh, yeah. her movements, and it's just outstanding to me how she can just do it so effortlessly. In the cases of sort of the babushka dressed in black and babushka when she just goes out and tries to just catfish her husband. The video is unbelievably powerful uh, and sexy, of course. So that sells, you know, if, if you've seen, I'm sure you've seen the video, you know, it's, it's so good for pop, but once you really listen to it and really start to break down the, the many pieces and the emotional aspects, it's just complicated. <laughs> oh yeah. It's speaking of the video, my goodness, what a video. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's up there, I think, with like Wuthering Heights and Man with the Child in His Eyes and Wow is like just iconic her, like her telling a story and doing something very theatrical like she usually does. <laughs> right. Very theatrical. But, you know, it's interesting, I think, that you mentioned the Man with the Child in His Eyes and Wuthering Heights because in both of those videos, it's just Kate with a black background, minimal effects, minimal props and such power. And that's so true of Babushka as well. Um, the main visual pieces really are that that big old cello and that incredible, I mean, just stunningly, oh man, sublime costume, you know, but that's it. And otherwise, it's just Kate and she's dancing and it's, a you know, no background and it's just, it puts such focus on the content of the song and, you know, it brings it into such, such focus and it's impossible to look away, you know? Oh, yeah. Which and watching the video, it's um it's interesting to see her with the uh, I guess the cello or a contrabass or something something yeah. like that. That I almost feel like that's um, kind of symbolizing the husband. Yeah, I kind of got the same idea because you see Kate sort of dancing around it, prancing around it, um, you know, kind of shaking it at times, and you just you get a sense that uh, he's just sort of. Um, or that the this this instrument represents him as as an instrument in this this wife's you know plot, and do I do you yeah, know I think that's a, the a uh, the story behind the title? Oh yeah, babushka. And then when she changes into like the the, the sexy babushka alter ego, that's supposed to be like, oh, this is the woman. Yeah, it's I really it can mean grandmother. I really and want to be if you pronounce the him again, sounds slightly right. differently, more like babushka. <laughs> it means butterfly. Ooh, and. Uh, apparently, it's also the name of a headdress. Ah, okay. And the impression I get is that she thought the title sounded cool, and then only later did she realize what it really meant and all that fun stuff. It was just something that stuck out to her. That's a fun word to say. It really is. It's it's a it's a second syllable that babushka. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It makes me think, you know, it, the, the way it sounds like babushka makes me think of uh, matrochka. I think they're called matrochka dolls. Those little dolls that go into each other, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it kind of makes me think, oh, yeah, matrochka, babushka. It's got that sort of sound, and it's a story that, you know, you open it up, and there's still other little things, other little mm-hmm. motivations and things with these characters. 
yeah, you just yeah, there you go. Again, the 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 kissy sword lady hiding inside the reserved babushka lady. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it's really interesting in the video that she's got um not only is she uh veiled but also the 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 base that she's playing with makes me think of oh yeah she's got this scheme going on she's playing her husband and it's almost like she she's playing him like an instrument hence a uh, hence a bass <laughs> oh that's great <laughs> and that really adds a new dimension to uh, her babushka self being inside the uh, bass inside her husband's affections and hearts yeah that's really good and it's almost like she's maybe she's veiled because she's mourning the death of their relationship perhaps oh that's good that's real good that's how i interpret it that's what i gotta say (laughs) that's pretty good that's valid i like it it's fun reading Yeah, it just really resonates with me a lot because of that performative nature. Mm-hmm. Secret selves hiding within you. It's, it's you know. It's it can be fun to have an alter ego. Even if it destroys your marriage. That's that part maybe not so fun, but <laughs> you know, who does who doesn't want to be the level five warrior swinging lady? I know <laughs> I would I would wanna be. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Sign me up. <laughs> I think it's really, really cool that that Kate, when she's the uh, the kind of the embittered wife, that she's standing there with that big instrument because it's like she's <laughs> orchestrating this thing and she's playing her husband <gasps> like it's an instrument, you know? Oh my god, I never thought of it that way. That's how I. That's how I've always seen. It. I'm like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense because she's you know she's scheming and she's playing them like yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That is so... I did not think of that. But that is just... Oh, my God. And it's neat that it's a, it was a, a contrabass, too, because um, most men's voices are very... They're usually very low. And there you go. Yeah, oh, my God. Wow. And maybe the maybe she's wearing the veil because, it, it you know, you don't see her face and she... Uh, she doesn't feel like to her husband that he really even completely sees her anymore. Oh, he's not paying attention to her or something like that. That's how I, that I, I just thought of that actually. I always, <laughs> I always saw the veil as sort of like a mask of her true intentions and sort of like Ooh. in the end, like the mourning phase of mourning a loss. Um, in this case, the relationship, of course, mm-hmm. because she's the character at the end who eventually has like, the relationship kind of dissolves after this because there's, you know, no trust between the two of them. I mean, I even lo- I even listened to the uh, the old demo of it when it's where it's just her and the piano and her song. It's, it's that's really even quite nice, even without all the. Uh, Synthesizers and biolacas and whatnot. She 
wanted to test her husband. She knew exactly what to do. I mean, that's how she started, basically, you know, it's just those chords and those keys. Yeah, I, I know which one you mean. It, it's kind of, she's kind of got a little drum machine or, going in the background, and some of the lyrics are slightly different. And it's yeah. not the entire song, but it's just enough that you can see, oh, okay, this is how she started. <laughs> and then when you listen to the fully produced version, you realize, oh, that's where, okay, I can see where she, she got all that from. Because this was a released single, this meant that Kate Bush had to get out there and promote the album and the song, and boy, did she promote this song. She performed it in France, she performed it on TV in the Netherlands, in Germany, and even went to Venice for a special performance with Gary Hurst for a song festival called La Vela Doro. She performed this on two very distinctive specials that I got to talk about with Freezing Inferno. The first of those was for a Christmas TV show, not the Christmas special, but a different one. And then one for a Dr. Hook special where she was performing Two-Faced. When I talked with Freezing Inferno, he mentioned those as being his favorite performances of Babushka. And here's what we had to say about them. Yes, speaking of performances, there are a, a, a fair few of them out there. I, I, I think I especially love the uh, the Christmas babushka one, where it's literally just uh, her mining out babushka, and uh, someone's projecting all this Christmas stuff on the blue screen behind her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
It's got, it's got nothing to do with Christmas at all beyond the fact that it's just Kate Bush standing in front of a green screen uh, doing babushka and there's like Christmas cards behind her. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'll be damned if I don't play it every holiday <laughs> just because mm. why not? Exactly. <laughs> it's good. And then there's another one. I don't remember the exact specifics of it, but she basically, uh, she's got herself done up kind of like a Two-Face and Batman and she's always facing one side of the camera on her reserve side, and then she flips right around, and you can see both halves, and one half's all wild when she gets to the chorus. It's a, that's a pretty good way of showing off that duality, uh, performative theatricality sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And she yeah. really gives it her all. She really yes. does. All right. Well, thank you very much for being on the show. All right. Yes. All right. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. Oh, no problem. Again, thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, I look forward to doing it again in roughly 18 months. Awesome. Woohoo. <laughs> all right. Well, good luck getting it all put together. Thanks. And have a great day. Great. Thank you so much. This, this was a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you so much for, uh, for taking the time to talk on the show today. No problem. Thank you for having me. It was great. I had, it was a good time. And where can people find you online if they agree with you that Babushka is a really awesome song? Well, you can uh, hit up my Twitter space at twitter.com slash freezinginferno, where you can hear me yell about video games probably. If you have a favorite Kate Bush song or even a couple of songs that you would love to talk about for a future episode, or you know something about this week's song that we didn't get to, you can contact me either on Twitter at StrangeKateCast, you can like my Facebook page, facebook.com slash KateBushPodcast, and lastly, you can just go on ahead and email me, kbcast at linkmedia.com, that's link with an E. We will see everybody next week for my personal favorite song from Never Forever, the beautifully ethereal Delia's Song of Summer. See everybody next week. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett.
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. Fantasypoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.